the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Good Friday to you. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Salem New Channel, ReliefFactor.com, West Coast Studio. So happy to have you with us. All weekend long, of course. Today, it's Friday. We do things differently here on Friday, just a little bit differently. i got to explain it, to because whenever you get a new affiliate, they always get a little bit confused by what's going on on Friday. And our new friends down in Bloomington Normal at City 92.9, the news and talk of Bloomington Normal, WRPWFM. Welcome. Good to have you in Bloomington Normal, Illinois, home of the Redbirds, which I did not know until yesterday. Learn something new every day. I also learned that if you're a prosecutor, carry a lot of cash. Or otherwise, people might think you hired your boyfriend to make a lot of money in a prosecution of Donald Trump and get embarrassed. But I'll come back to that. Let me begin with the news. Um, Joe Biden called Bibi yesterday, and they talked for a while. Don't know if the president was coherent. No one will tell us. But... The Prime Minister of Israel emerged from the meeting and said, we're going to be uh, winning here, and we're not buying into a a two-state solution that's enforced on us, imposed on us. We're not going to reward Hamas. We're not going to do any of that. Good for him. I went and looked up Mosul, some statistics. I posted them at X. Remember that Israel was attacked on October the 7th, It is four and a half months later, four months and a week later, really. And they're almost done. They have the Battle of Rafa ahead, and there will be guerrilla fighting for a long time, and they got to blow up the tunnels. They'll be there for a year, but they'll be done in six months with the heavy fighting. The Battle of Mosul, by contrast, led by Kurdish and Iraqi troops and American air forces, the battle for Mosul, not against ISIS, just Mosul, began on October 16th of 2016, and ended on July 20th of the following year. Now, for you Steelers fans, that's 10 months. So the war took two more years. It didn't end until 2019. Uh, Al-Baghdadi, their leader, was found in his ID hole and killed by U.S. forces on October the 27th. But in the Battle of Mosul, which is, of course, 10 months in 2016, 2017, um, Iraq and Kurdistan lost 9,000 soldiers. The IDF has lost many, but in Gaza, 250, uh, less than 250. The U.S. provided thousands of air sorties. We lost two airmen in the course of the battle. Up to 20,000 ISIS terrorists were killed in Mosul, at least 8,000 civilians. So when you read this weekend... That, as I do in the Washington Post headline today, standoff over Rafa tests Israel's most important alliances. Understand that it doesn't. Israel is setting the standard for urban warfare 
waged very precisely, very carefully. And unlike Mosul, ISIS had a couple of years in Mosul before the coalition got attacked together. ISIS has 17 years to prepare its defenses. I think that the campaign of Israel's defense forces in Gaza will go down in military history. Now, I've got a lot of military history, like um, behind me, J.C. Fuller's uh, military history of the Western world. And I got a lot of military historians like Jerry Hendricks, who wrote to provide and maintain the, the book on the Navy. I got a lot of friends who know military history. This is, without question, the most humane battle ever waged in an urban setting by a modern military. Now, yesterday, the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal noticed that Egypt is building this massive walled enclosure on the border with Gaza. They clearly anticipate between 50 and 60,000 refugees when the battle for Rafah begins, but they're not going to accept them into Egypt. Did you know that Egypt governed Gaza until 1967? It's been in many hands over many millennia, but it, it was up Egypt until 67. Then Israel got tossed the ball. Israel gave up in 2005. Hamas took over the following year in, quote, elections where they murdered the PLA's representatives. Big mistake. And now Israel has to reconquer it, turn it over to some international body once the Hamas terrorists are killed or gone. And they're not stopping. And they shouldn't stop. And they have respected every rule of war. The law of warfare is pretty clear. Everything has been proportionate. Everything has been careful. Do not fall for the propaganda or a White House that is worried about losing Michigan because of a quarter million Arab American voters who are important to Democrats and Republicans alike. I'd love to get the Arab American vote. And I think they ought to vote Republican. This sort of stuff won't happen under Donald Trump. Or Nikki Haley if she pulls off a miracle, but she's buying by 40 points in South Carolina. Uh, John Kirby yesterday disclosed a troubling anti-satellite weapon. Troubling. It seems to me you might want Congress to pass that supplemental pretty quickly. Now, I'm told by my sources on the Hill they're going to attach H.R. 2 to it and send it back over to the Senate, and we'll see what comes back. Apparently, Speaker Johnson's thinking about that. That's fine. If it doesn't work, in the meantime, get the discharge petition ready. And Republicans, tell the Democrats, get as many as you can, and then bring it to us, and we'll find the people to put it over the top if the president doesn't negotiate. Or not. We may not do that. We may just put it over till next year. So if it's urgent and you want the bill, get serious on the border. Not the stuff you offered James Lankford. Senator Lankford got the best deal that Chris Murphy and Dick Durbin were willing to offer. But if Joe Biden can stay awake for a weekend, then we can find out what he's willing to offer. And if he offers the border wall, take it. Meanwhile, Bill Burns is back in the region, the Middle East, talking, talking, talking. Do you know who else talked a lot lot yesterday? Fannie Willis. Boy, that Georgia case against Trump is done. They got to DQ her. Uh, Cut number one, Fannie Willis in Atlanta courtroom yesterday. In 2019... He's never been to South Fulton. In 2019, I lived in South Fulton. He has never been to my residence in 2019, ever, not once. In 2019, he's never been to your residence, any place. 
I lived in my home in South Fulton before I started getting the threats that were here, a house I paid for with my own sweat and tears. I'm no longer able to live there. But in 2019, I did. And in the two months of 2019 that I knew Mr. Wade, three months, the beginning of October, all of November, and all of December, Mr. Wade never came to my house in South Fulton. Let me help you out. I lived there in 2020. He never came to my house in 2020, let alone live with me, as you put falsely in these documents. In the first three months of 2021, when I could still enjoy my home, Mr. Wade never came to South Fulton, and it is certainly a lie that he lived with me. So in 2020, let's, so you said 2019, 2020, did Mr. Wade ever visit you at a place that you He resided? has never been to my home in South Fulton. 2020 was before I knew that a phone call was going to be made and I was going to have to abandon my home. As a result thereof, he never visited, lived at, came to, or has seen South Fulton. You qualified that with your home in South Fulton. I'm That's asking, where I lived in 2020. In 2020, did he ever visit you at a place that you resided? Okay. I don't understand. You must give me guys. In 2020, so, I lived in South Fulton. Okay. That's the only place I lived in South Fulton. That's before I had to abandon my home, Judge. All right. And at my okay. home in We're South Fulton, this. This, I never, he never came there, okay? So if you don't so, come someplace, you can't live there. Ms. Willis, that's, I'm going to have to caution you. That's, that's going to be my first time I have to caution you. We have to listen to the questions as asked. And if this happens again and again, I'm going to have no choice but to strike your testimony. So... We need to break this down. This merchant's question, I believe, is uh, asking whether you lived anywhere other than South Fulton. I did not live anywhere but South Fulton, Georgia, in 2020. But not watch this. It was riveting because she's simply not credible. And the judge, she knew the judge was not going to get in her way. And she defied calls to confine her question to the to her answers to the question asked. She attacked her critics. She attacked the media. She got away with it. Uh, it's sort of she took former President Trump's playbook, but she was allowed to run with it by this judge. Her combative testimony was not persuasive. She's been impeached by her girlfriend and Mr. Wade was not persuasive. She hired her boyfriend. That's what I believe. And her boyfriend and she took expensive trips. And there are no receipts, nowhere, of her paying the money back to her boyfriend. For the tickets, the cruise, the dinners, all cash deal with her. You can believe her if you want to. I don't. I think, quite obviously, that case is off the rails and done. But Donald Trump is scheduled for trial on March 25th, unless the Supreme Court gets going. And does what it should do, which is accept the appeal from the D.C. Circuit. And hopefully that will stay, not just the federal cases, but the state one. Stay tuned. And a happy Friday to you all, as is our case every Friday when we are lucky. Ben Dominich joins us. Ben is the editor-at-large at The Spectator. You can follow him on X at B. Dominich, and you can also see him on Fox News where he's a contributor. And I'm always happy when he's on special report with me. Ben, good morning. Um, How do we worry about a Russia anti-satellite weapon when we don't worry about Russia invading Ukraine and getting close to our NATO allies? Uh, Well, Hugh, I'm I'm happy to join you this morning, Um, but I I don't know if you've mentioned it to your your listeners yet. But I mean, this is a a really dark day for uh, Russia and for those who 
care about the future of Russia with the reported death of Alexei Navalny in oh. prison. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or if you no. can confirm now um, multiple legitimate sources that he uh, passed away after collapsing. Um, and Adam had told me you know, that it made it to X, but it has, it's been confirmed. It, it's, I mean, it's all across Russian state media and the Wall Street Journal is reporting it, but I don't know, you know, beyond the the sort of details that come out from Russian state media. I don't think they would be running with it unless it was. No, that, that means he's uh, dead. That so, means Putin did him in. Was it by pillow and, or by natural causes? Yes. So, I mean, you know, they have some rigmarole about he collapsed while walking. I mean, he's uh, he's a few years older than me. He, he, he He's not someone who... Uh, you know, look, this is an, we should consider this an assassination. Just sure. Of course, Nensov was assassinated. Um, and, you know, look, I think there's something and I have to say this to you, Hugh, because I am a Fox contributor. But I I, uh, and I will be on the network a couple of times, including special report tonight. But I, I'm going to say it to you. There's something karmic and damning about the fact that this week we saw Tucker Carlson chortling his way through the Russian knockoff Aldi, you know, espousing the beauties of their authoritarian empire, you know, as a, someone who's actually courageous, someone who actually stands for their beliefs, is, is assassinated by the regime that he stood up to for decades. And it is uh, just is abhorrent to me to see the way that the, the national populist right, with whom I have much to agree upon, has in some way fallen prey to the virtues of authoritarianism because they build public transportation systems that these people will never use, that they find beautiful and impressive, and that absolutely crush the people who helped create them. And espouse that as something that says in some way that there's an indictment of the West, an indictment of America, because our public transport systems are screwed up and we have a bunch of bums around and open air drug markets and the like. You know, that's a problem and we should condemn it. But the truth is that the West has the moral authority in this on, on so many different areas here that they cannot use when it comes to espousing what you know Putin has pivoted to. And this is, by the way, one of the central aspects of Navalny's indictment of Putin that got under his skin so much, which is that he had used the the pivot to sort of a, a Christian focus, a faith focus, uh, to distract from his own uh, thievery and criminal activity and extravagance. Uh, how much he has stolen from the people of Russia. And, Hugh, I, I mean, I was a pallbearer uh, for, for John McCain, along with my f- friend Vladimir Karamurza. He is currently, as of two weeks ago, he was moved into isolation um, there uh, in terms of uh, his, his own imprisonment. He's been sentenced to 25 years uh, in prison. He's my age. He has three kids. They've tried to poison him twice, uh, and yet he still went back. Uh, and is he's, you know, Realistically speaking, Hugh, and I'm not trying to be dark about this, but he's probably next on the list in terms of opposition figures who Putin just knocks off one after the other because, you know, he has that attitude as a as a KGB survivor that no no uh, foe, no opponent can be allowed to exist. We're not going to have much fun. I'm on the panel tonight, too, unless we end up doing it in studio, in which case it won't be. And we're, we're all going to agree. Putin is an evil guy. So is Xi, who's got Jimmy Lai locked up and the Iranian mullahs. Yes. But I want to I want to connect up Nalvani being murdered, uh, and it, it is murder. We've got a bill to oppose Ukraine. 
And I don't think I, I, I say I hear from some people what Johnson's going to do is attach HR two, send it back over, and continue negotiations. Okay, fine. If that doesn't work, we have to pass this. Ukraine is our ally. Russia is our enemy. I don't understand what people don't understand. Yes. I, I mean, I, I think that it absolutely has to be, you know, uh, considered a situation now where we are, you know, <laughs> we, we have to advocate for this. And this is the thing that I think I, I may have said this to you before, Hugh, but it, it's what is so absent from this conversation. We need to be able to have advocates who are out there pushing uh, for the truth about this situation, the, the dynamics of this situation in ways that will, you know, ultimately, you know, uh, I think, be able to convince a lot of people. But the truth is that we don't have those advocates. And the reason we don't have those advocates in the traditional way is that Republicans who would normally be standing up and, and taking the side of people who are fighting and balancing against these authoritarian regimes, they are they are put back on their heels by the fact that they have a military and, a, and an administration policy that they don't trust. And why should they trust it? I mean, the, the Biden administration has been slow and, and uh, you know, they've been on their on their back heels throughout this. They haven't supplied the kind of, uh, you know, equipment, the kind of support that was needed when it when it could make a difference. And they really have not done the kind of things that they needed to do in order to make the case to the American people for why this is. I have not heard a rationale from the president, from the White House. You know, for months now about oh, Ben, he can't make one, right? And that yeah, there's a piece by one. Ken Kachigian in the in the Wall Street Journal today, and I wrote a piece. He should resign. Ken says he won't for these reasons, which is he likes the perks. I read but, I read that piece, and Ken's a great writer. I completely agree with you. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's just nothing to be said. He's just hanging around, and we are paralyzed. I can't imagine him beating uh, even if Trump's convicted by Alvin Bragg and Jack Smith. He's still going to beat him because the guy is empty. Well, he's not going to be convicted by Fannie Willis at this rate. I mean. No, he's not. No, I do want to read you something serious. Uh, my, my friend, Captain Hendricks, who is a navalist respected on both sides of the aisle, wrote me a note. Uh, if you think of the Mediterranean, literally the Romans used to call it the Middle Sea and RC, as the motherboard, the central microprocessor chip of the modern global economic system, then we should understand that the two nodes of the processor, the Suez Canal and the Dardanelles, have been compromised and constricted. Even the Strait of Gibraltar is now under surveillance by terrorists. If the MED cannot be used for free trade, the global system will begin to break down in a cascade failure. This is, there's shipbuilding in the bill, too. We, yeah, I mean, it's, well, but this is the other thing, you know, we, so much of, of what politics is, and you know this, is being able to make the strong case to the American people and let them decide for themselves and trusting them to make the right decision. And that, you know, when people talk about Reaganism, that's something that's so central to it. You know, it's, it's absent, I think, frankly, from a lot of the things that are today. The policy posture is part of it, but, but leadership and statesmanship require you to make the case to the people, and there's no one out there doing that, which is why it's such a sad thing, even though it's a predictable thing, even though it's an understandable thing, uh, that someone like Mike Gallagher is leaving the Congress at the end of the, uh, of the year, because it's just, we need more people who have the capacity to make that case, to say, there are, as, as he says, there are worse things than recognizing that we're in a cold war and that's a hot war and that's i i think that we have the ability to avoid that in, in certain ways around the world uh, but we're not doing the things that we need to be doing now to prevent that now just take that a step further we'll talk about this tonight and maybe we'll have three minutes all right <laughs> the, the rest of the rest of american media will be focused on fanny willis and her made-up case and alvin bragg and his made-up case 
We are we're in a bind of our own making, Ben. We cannot focus on serious things, and I don't know how to get back. Reagan ran on national security. I don't think former President Trump is, although he made some references to it yesterday. But we ought to vote on this basis, at least. Yeah, well, I think that we have to, you know, have a real conversation on the American right. And I mean that right writ large. Uh, about where we go from here, about what's important, what we prioritize, how we rebuild, because we do need to be rebuilding and in a very serious and uh, an intentional way, not just throwing money at the military. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's It's more about being intentional and it's about avoiding mistakes of the past. Uh, And of course, rebuilding the kind of of authority and trust in authority that needs to be clear within within that side of what we do as a country. But, but if you had that. to pick, we got one minute. If you had to pick a secretary of defense, if Donald Trump came out and said, here's my running mate and here's my DOD, who would you pick for the DOD part to, you know, oh my, to do what I mean, Cap Weinberger did to do what or to begin? It might take 12 years, might take two Republican presidents. Who would you send to DOD? Oh, gosh, uh, Hugh, I'm that's a tough question. I need a reform-minded person. I mean, you know, I, I obviously have an affinity for listening to Bob Gates on a lot of things, uh, and so it's it's you know in my inclination to ask his advice as opposed to mine. One I, name. Sure, I don't know if you have someone in mind. I do. I think it should be Mike Pompeo because he knows how to run bureaucracy. No, I mean, but see, this is my problem. My default answer for every position in the, in the cabinet. <laughs> I know, but defense is first. It's first. I mean, the vice president helps you get elected and stands by, but you got to get someone to run that department that knows how to cut uh, the people who do nothing and buy the things that win wars. Ben Dominich, B. Dominich on Twitter. I hope I see you tonight on Special Report. Stay tuned, America. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt here in the ReliefFactor.com studio out west. Joined now by Sarah Bedford of the Washington Examiner, where she's the lead political and investigative reporter. Good morning, Sarah. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. I want to ask you about three things. I'll let you take them in the order you want. The supplemental, and whether or not to go back to the Senate with H.R. 2 attached or just get a discharge petition. The um, the Bragg case and the meltdown of Fannie Willis's case. In any order you pr- prefer. Sure. Let's start with uh, the discharge Petition. I think that that of the two options you mentioned seems to be the most likely. Hakeem Jeffries is looking at that option because, you know, there are Republicans who want to support Ukraine aid, who yes. want to, you know, need to be doing something policy wise on the border who don't have the same partisan concerns. But Hakeem Jeffries might actually run into some problems from his own party there because there are progressive Democrats who think that the aid to Israel needs to be conditioned, have human rights conditions and and other such things. So, for example, Ilhan Omar has expressed skepticism and she's surely not the only progressive who might be concerned about the discharge petition. So I'm not sure that there's enough Democrats there who could give Hakeem Jeffries some trouble, but certainly there's there's sort of all sides on, on at least the, the sort of outer, not to say extremes, but the, the far left and the far right have problems with this bill. Are there enough lawmakers in the middle to make a discharge petition successful? That's unclear right now. Well, Speaker Johnson did mention sending back something with border control. I have no objection to that play. But if it doesn't get through, go with the discharge petition. Do you have any update? And I would make it just the wall. So it's very clear what the Democrats are refusing to build the wall. Any idea what the speaker is going to do? There's there's a, a, a sort of a, another 
alternative plan that some Democrat, uh, excuse me, Republicans, Congressman Fitzpatrick, for example, uh, are discussing that would just be a Ukraine, Israel and Taiwan funding bill with no border provisions in it. That's something that potentially could be more palatable. The, the border compromise and not being seen as weak on the border is, I think, at this point going to make it toxic to a lot of Republicans. But if it's sent back to the Senate with all of these much stronger border provisions, the H.R. 2 attached, you know, it runs into the same problem in the Senate as it's facing in the House right now, where there's just not enough support to get it passed. And this is where optics come in, Sarah. If you just add the funding and authorization for the immediate construction of 900 miles of wall, that's it. That's all you ask for. And the Senate Democrats say no. Then there's not going to be any doubt about the fall campaign, who's for security and who's not. I've watched Team Biden trying to do everything they can to blame the Republicans for the border. I don't think it's going to work, but you you might as well put the knife in and send them the wall, which they will not vote for. I don't think. Correct. No, I think that if there was the, the ability to move that through the Senate, it would have been in the original compromise that Senator Lankford helped negotiate. And because the votes weren't there, it, it wasn't in the original. And I don't think you're going to see it in an amended version. Well, that's why I just send it over so that it, they would, I think, and get every Republican to vote for it. And if they don't, we'll know which ones we don't want to support. OK, Sarah, on to Fannie Willis, who is now like um, like so many before her, not really great on the stand. And what's your conclusion of her persuasiveness? Well, I think that she seemed to be fighting a a separate battle than the one that was potentially that would have best served her. She seemed to be fighting to win in the court of public opinion, to seem like a victim, um, to to sort of paint a narrative instead of to get out of the actual legal trouble that she is in right now. She and her special prosecutor, Nathan Wade, are at this moment accused of lying to the court in an affidavit that they filed to try to clean this mess up earlier this month. That's a really serious uh, accusation made against her, and she did very little to clean up the actual questions that exist, which is whether she did, in fact, reimburse Nathan Wade for any of the lavish perks that she received after her office started paying well, don't, him. Don't you, and, keep, don't you split dates yeah. that you go? You're married now, but before you got married, didn't you always pay in cash and you know, always split dates in cash and keep $9,000 at home to pay your dates? Yeah, I just pulled, you know, stacks of bills out from under my mattress so during my dating phase um, to suggest that it was uh, uh, wrong of the prosecutors to ask her for evidence to back up these claims that she's making that don't pass the smell test about reimbursing uh, social prosecutor Wade. I'm not sure whether that's going to fly with this judge. This is not like the judges that we've seen in New York or Washington, D.C., who have really gone along with everything prosecutors have Wanted this judge, Scott McAfee, has been a pretty even handed judge, much like Eileen Cannon in Florida. And so it's possible that the the Trump and his co-defendants here could get a fair shake from this judge. And I'm not sure that he's going to buy what Farney Willis is selling there. Last question is Alvin Bragg set March 25 for a trial date. Do you know if cameras are allowed in that courtroom? I hope so. Cameras are not allowed in the Manhattan courtroom, unfortunately. So, and they haven't been allowed in the civil fraud trial either. So, you know, that's 
that's what prosecutors have wanted. You know, Jack Smith has been fighting against allowing any sort of live stream of the of the federal cases in Washington, D.C. and Florida. News organizations have been petitioning the court to allow that because of the enormous public interest. Prosecutors don't want people to see what happens in the courtroom. And, you know, I think that there should be more questions about why that is. Well, I know why Alvin Bragg doesn't, because you're going to be completely befuddled. He's a terrible lawyer. It's a terrible lawsuit. He's got more holes than all the Swiss cheese you've ever seen. And Sarah Bedford, I just retweeted one of your posts and one of your colleagues about the holes in the Alvin Bragg case. He's still going to get convicted if it gets to trial. That's why I hope the Supreme Court, if you're listening, put everything on hold. Uh, stay the D.C. Circuit. And let's just hear about it in the fall after the election. Let the former president campaign. Please, it's America. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolf. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I was, uh, I enjoyed talking to Ben Dominic, Sarah Bedford's coming up. And you just listen to Sarah Bedford if you listen to my podcast, Highly Concentrated Hugh, because I, I do it out of order. This is closing the podcast, but I'm talking to you before. And I want to read to you the, the key story. I just tweeted it out. Uh, it's from um, CBC, Canadian Broadcast Company. NATO expects most of Alliance to hit 2% defense spending target by end of the year. Most. There are 31 members of NATO. Only 11 hit 2% last year. 18 are expected to this year. So, okay, a a mere majority. That's good. We do most of the lifting. People like Poland do 4% of GDP. And there are allies, and Finland is serious, and Sweden is serious. We're getting some serious people in there. There are some non-serious people, like the Germans. They're a joke. And Great Britain can't keep the Queen Elizabeth at sea. So they're not spending enough either, and they're going to get blown out. They lost a by-election last night. Get ready for Prime Minister Starmer, and then Ben Wallace, please come save us in six years. Hopefully we get um, the Republican nominee, Trumper Haley, plus uh, a serious team in to take care of the world until Britain regains its senses. But the reason that appeals for the Ukraine aid package fall short with many Republicans is they just look at Europe and they see that we're paying their bills and we're tired of paying their bills. But we can't forget the reason everyone's knickers are twisted today is that Russia's got a new anti-satellite capacity. It may be nuclear. That's not released. There's a dress from the podium yesterday. 
They are a serious threat to our national security because they are working hand in glove with China and with Iran. That's the big three of evil. And North Korea is out there and you've got all of the proxies, the Houthis and and the Hamas and the Hezbollah fanatics. And you know who Joe Biden's yelling at is Bibi. Unbelievable. Person he's mad at is Bibi, who has simply said, we're not going to accept less than victory. We're going into Rafa. And I'm sure he indulged the president yammering on. And I'm sure that at the end of it, he turned to the cabinet. And by the way, I think Gantz and everybody in the government and everybody in the opposition, Israel is united. They're going to finish the job. They really don't care if we pay for it. They're going to do it. They need some shells. They would like some rearmament, but they're going to do it whether or not we're the longer it takes for us to get them the aid, the longer it takes and the civilians suffer longer. And Egypt's getting ready for it. Hamas has to go. It's a cancer. And they're fanatics. Hezbollah has to move back. And, and, but I think we're going to have war in the north. Just be advised. We've got to get Israel aid. We've got to get Taiwan aid. We've got to get Ukraine aid. Because we, the United States, it's in our interest not to go to war. Not to have NATO attacked. Not to have Taiwan attacked. Not to have Ukraine defeated. We need ships to secure the free seas. We need serious cyber upgrading. We need special operators. We need a lot. And mostly, my apologies to my Army friends, we got to cut the Army a lot and give that money to the Navy and the Space Force and the Air Force. Long-range bombers are good, too. And the, uh, the, uh, the B-21 is out there now, and that is a big punch. Mostly, we need the boomers, the new Columbia class. We need everything times two. And now Donald Trump's campaign. We were strong, now we're weak, we'll be strong again. That's all he needs to say. Doesn't need to say nice things about anybody. He can say and get along with everyone, I'll negotiate with everyone. That is, by the way, what Richard Nixon, I learned national security from Richard Nixon in 1978, 79, and 80. And I'd taken it at Harvard as an undergrad. Got a new audience in Illinois. You know, I learned from Stanley Hoffman and all the smart guys. Read the Melian Dialogue, know my Thucydides, know all the Cold War stuff, work at justice with all the classifications. I know all the domestic stuff, but I only know the national security stuff from Nixon and from watching Weinberger and Reagan. And it all begins with what have you got? What do you have in your arsenal? Because I'm not going to pay attention to it. And I wish those of you who are interested but don't want to do the heavy lifting of reading. I mean, by the way, it's not hard lifting to read, to provide, and maintain the key short book on what we need in our Navy by Hendricks, H-E-N-D-R-I-X, remember, to provide and maintain. And the former president and his whole team should memorize that. It's every question you need answered. And if Mike Pompeo goes to defense or Tom Cotton goes to defense or anyone who's serious, they're going to have to ship money from Army to Navy. That's simple. But I wish you would read. If you, if you don't want to do the dry work, you can listen to Poland by James Minchner. Now, this book is 40 years old, so it, I don't think it gets to the fall of the Soviet Union. It begins in Gdansk's on strike, and we all know how that went. But this book came out, and I didn't read it when it came out. Poland, if you're watching on the Salem News Channel, you see a cover of it. It's fabulous, but I'm in the Nazi years. And Poland suffered, and Poland would not give up. Polish Jewry was wiped out. Millions of Poles who were non-Jews were also wiped out. Country would not give up, give in. They're at 4%. 
They're actually at 4.2%. Poland is the best in terms of everyone in NATO. Uh, Last year, 3.9% of GDP, and it's going above 4. U.S. was at 3.49. Greece was at 3%. Estonia at 2.75. Lithuania at 2.54. Finland at 2.45. Romania at 2.44. Hungary at 2.43. Latvia at 2.27. The Slovak Republic is at uh, 2.03. Great Britain is just between Ukraine and the Slovak Republic at 2.07. And then we go to France, which is under 2%. I don't even know why we talked to Macron. I really don't. Norway, Denmark, Netherlands, I don't know why we talked to you. I really don't. Canada, 1.38%. To my Canadian friends, 1% of your defense budget. You storm the beaches at Gold Beach, I think, right? Or was it Juno? Amazing, amazing military up there. Give it some money. Defend ourselves. Japan's doing a good job. Australia's doing a good job. Singapore, South Korea. We got allies. We got friends. We got an incoherent president who rambles on. And I just want to close here the before Sarah Bedford comes in. The Fannie Willis thing shows you that's corrupt deal. That's a corrupt deal. Uh, It is clear to me now that that whole special grand jury, this whole process was done so that Fannie Willis could hire her boyfriend and give her boyfriend $600,000 and they would take vacations together. It's all corrupt. Alvin Bragg told you he would prosecute Donald Trump although the charges are absurd and and everyone outside MSNBC land knows that. And Letitia James told you she would go after Trump. And we're going to get some absurd. It's all going to be struck down, by the way. Those three are terrible cases. Uh, I believe that the theory in the D.C. Circuit will eventually get the Supreme Court conviction or non-conviction on uh, whether it's an interlocutory appeal. I don't know. Eventually, the Supreme Court's going to say, Bob, didn't you read the McDonald decision? You can't do this and make stuff up. Jack Smith, and strike all that. Eventually, we're going to find out. And I may be called to testify in the NARA case because I know the National Archives and Record Administration. And if Team Trump knows what they're doing, they're going to call every director of every presidential library and talk about how many classified documents are found in presidential libraries or in personal belonging. Do you think, do you honestly think Barack Obama's Martha Vineyard's home has nothing classified in it? Do you honestly believe that? You believe his Calorama home, his Hawaii home? He's got lots of homes. Nothing at all? Nothing? Nothing? Do you think so? Then you're a dummy. You're naive. Everybody has something, and what this ought to have been is a long, drawn-out proceeding like they all are until 30 years after they're dead. They're still finding stuff they want to classify in Richard Nixon's post-presidency files. 30 years. And so I, I, I'm here to tell you, do not trust the National Archives and Records Administration. The one charge in all this that I have not yet seen the defense to is obstruction of justice. I haven't seen the pleadings. I haven't read the defense. I don't know if it's got merit. It's the only serious charge that Donald Trump faces. He was not charged with insurrection, seditious conspiracy. It's all made up. It's all nonsense. What we know is what Robert Hur told us. And do not look at the shiny object. He told us what you need to know. The president isn't there. He checks out. I'd like release the transcript, please. Uh, Dwayne, I'd like you to release the transcript of your conversations with Rachel. 
over at MyPhDWeightLoss.com, 864-644-1900. That's 864-644-1900. Because I, I would like the transcripts of your call with Rachel to be released. Okay. Fine. And does she begin by asking, how we doing? Yes, almost almost word for word, yes. And does she then say, where are you on the weight? Uh, no, she usually lets, I, I usually volunteer that. No, that's like going to confession. It kind of is like it, it's like a it's like a phone confessional, a, a phone weight confessional. But some weeks you go and say, "I got nothing to say here." Um, I always have something to say. I, I well, mean, that's I'm, absolutely I'm, I'm, true. I'm in communication. There's absolutely no doubt about that. I always have something to. You've say. You've got always something to say. You take over this show. You hijack this show more often than uh, than Johnny Depp did ships in Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, somebody's got to provide the commentary that people are actually thinking about. And are you doing the uh, weekend review with Ed Morrissey today? Oh, yes. That will be in behind the paywall at the universe. When are you and Campbell going to start your gig? Uh, we're probably a week out. Probably. You know, I think you're sort of like a huge tribute band. Uh, uh, no, what would that sound like? Well, it's going to sound whatever you and John Campbell do. It's like a huge tribute band. Okay. All right. ReliefFactor.com studio. Hey, how, how about how about the website? Uh, MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I already did Relief Factor. So I, I, when, you, when Adam told me two minutes, I was thinking I had to do two, two different sponsors. So we can go back to MyPhDWeightLoss.com. Okay. 864-644-1900. So now the cover band that you're putting together, you and Campbell pretending to be me. Yeah. That debuts when? We think in about a week. Did I tell you you're doing next Friday show? No, you did not tell me that. You are, because i got to go to Nashville. Okay. I have been summoned by the National Religious Broadcasters. Uh, they, okay. Think I think they want me to preach? Uh, I think they're, yeah, I'm, my guess is they're going to be looking for the way forward for this year, yeah. You know, uh, I've preached once in my life. And I ain't never doing it again. Because that I, I can do especially, this. Especially because you keep saying eight. Well, I can do this all day long. I can't do that again. That's it. You're either called or you're not. And I'm a, sounded, I'm about as useful like a on a pulpit as Dwayne is on a radio show. Yes, okay. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.